What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Curveballs and Share Shots. We are here live via Zoom. My name is Brandon Tingham. Sitting more than six feet away from me, electronically, is my lovely and esteemed co-host, Dominic Hobson. Dominic, how are you doing today? I am lovely, Brandon. How are you, my friend? Oh, I am just peachy. So, unfortunately, we have to start the podcast off on a sad note. We had a lot of deaths that have happened within the past week. Bullet Barb Armstrong did pass away Thursday before we did the podcast. I'll be honest, maybe kind of forgot to put him on the script. But, you know, longtime wrestling legend, father of referee Scott Armstrong and Road Dog. We also had Chadwick Bozeman pass away, did legendary acts such as Black Panther, Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, uh, James Brown, stuff like that. The Georgetown coach, legendary coach. John Thompson also passed away, and one of the greatest pitchers of all time, Tom Seaver. So this week, Dominic, it, uh, it's kind of sucked. We've lost a lot of legends since our last podcast. I mean, not even that, but I mean, we lost a lot of other people in 2020. So, I mean, it's just been one shit show month after another. I mean, I'll, I'll ask the question. Who are you more shocked and upset about dying out of everyone in that list you just gave? Well, obviously, it has to be Chadwick Boseman. The other three are up there in age. I did not know that Tom Seaver was suffering from dementia. He passed away due to a complication of dementia and COVID-19. Chadwick Boseman had colon cancer for about four years now, and that's basically when he jumped onto the scene when he did the Black Panther movie. So it's just incredible to see a man like that who's going through so much be such an inspiration to people and then even more so once he passed away because he kept this in-house and no one knew that he had this terrible disease. So shout out Chadwick Boseman. I know he's touched a lot of lives, both in the black community and just throughout the entire world. I mean, it was just sad news. I mean, this alongside Kobe have been, I think, the two most shocking deaths that have happened this year. And one of the reasons why 2020 can uh, just go fuck itself. I mean, I, I have to agree. Um, I mean, I there's nothing... No words can explain, you know, well, I mean, first of all, you can say fuck cancer because that's, that's horrible stuff. But I mean, being so young and being able to hide it for so long, I mean, he's, I mean, no wonder he's such a great actor. Right. But uh, it will be, I think I have to agree. Probably. I'm probably more shocked than upset. I'm more upset Kobe's dead than, than Chadwick. But that's just me. All right. So we're going to jump right into it. We had the MLB trade deadline come and go. I meant to talk about this because I thought, I know you asked me who did I think was going to be traded. And I said, oh, maybe not a big name, but, you know, maybe a big, t- there will be a big time move or two. And we actually had a lot of moves take place this past week. And Mike Levenger, we talked about him. He was optioned. I was going to bring him up as a possible trade candidate, and he was. He has been traded to the San Diego Padres. I think that was the big move of the year. 
He pitched yesterday against the Los Angeles Angels. Gives up two runs. It wasn't pretty. Gave up a lot of hits, you know, a lot of traffic, but he was able to only limit the damage to just two runs. So, Dominic, your thoughts on, first, Mike Clevenger going to the Padres being the biggest move, I think, of the trading deadline. I mean, I I think it's definitely a good pickup for the Padres. um, For a team that could sneak their way into the playoffs, I think, I mean, I think they're in third, right? I can't remember. I'm not, I don't look up standings, but they're in second place. I believe right now in the NL West, they're not really close to the Dodgers, but they're definitely, I think a lock to make the playoffs at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, adding someone like Clevenger is a thanks. Thanks mascot for choking on the, the podcast. Um, definitely a great pickup. Definitely someone that they can count on to, you know, I'm not going to say he's their ace, but definitely a good pickup. Someone that can, you know, do their job and help them probably win, win the playoff, maybe even the World Series. Yeah, I think Chris Paddock is still the number one guy out there in San Diego, but that wasn't the only move that they made. They also got relief pitcher Trevor Rosen, Rosenthal. They got catcher Austin Nola, Mitch Moreland, veteran first base, outfield, DH, whatever you want to put him at. And then they also got Greg Allen, outfielder. I mean, they just picked up a boatload of talent they also had to trade away a lot uh taylor trammell a highly regarded outfield prospect they had to deal him so i mean you you gotta you know deal some people to get some people but i do think that with all these moves the san diego padres made they were the winners the clear-cut winners of the trading deadline do you think now now with the added people they got are you changing your picks with the Padres or are you going to keep them where you had them when we did our uh, crossover with Trapdoor to Hell? I'm still going to keep them in second place behind the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. I think the Dodgers, yes, they didn't make too many moves. They did trade away uh, Ross Stripling to the Toronto Blue Jays, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the Dodgers, they're just so stacked. They didn't really need to make any moves. But the Padres, I told you, look out for those Padres. I felt as though... You know, they had such good young talent. They have Tatis, who finally is able to stay healthy and he's able to put everything together. And he's just showing what he did last year, but just on a bigger scale, more, you know, fast-paced scale because of the shortened season. And I think the Padres, the only downside I see is still that pitching. I think, yes, you got Clevenger and Paddock, which I think is a good one-two punch, but it's not like that elite one-two punch like uh, Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, even Dustin May, who's coming up right now on the Dodgers. I think the pitching is something to look at, but if the offense continues to roll like they are, they can be able to make up for what they have lacking in pitching. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Brandon, what's next? Well, we're going to talk about some more moves. We got the Toronto Blue Jays kind of on the American League side. They were making a lot of moves as well. They picked up Ross Stripling, who should have been traded to the Angels in that mega trade with Jack Peterson that got canceled, but he gets uh, dealt to the Blue Jays. We also have Jonathan VR going to the Blue Jays and Taiwan Walker, pitcher who used to be on the Seattle Mariners. Now they're going over, well, I guess not over the border because they're playing in Buffalo, but you get what I mean. So the Blue Jays making a lot of moves. I think this one was kind of interesting because the Blue Jays, they're kind of on the cuff with the expanded playoffs. They're one of those teams who will sneak in that 7-8 slot. But I think they have a good young core. I, I like the moves. I mean, I like all the players that they've acquired, but I just don't see that these guys will really take them over the top. Maybe they can mess around and, you know, win a playoff round, but then they're going to be so low that they're going to be facing those elite teams like 
the Rays, A's, you know, maybe even who are, you know, the Astros, whatever happens out West. But I think that the Blue Jays, they're good, they're good moves, but I just don't feel that they're really going to make that next jump this year. Maybe next year they'll put it all together, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. I mean, I have to agree. I don't, I don't see the, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to do anything this year. I think they're going to kind of end up screwing the rest of the season and they're not going to do much, but I, I got a good feeling next year, year after, uh, you know, they'll get some, their prospects will, you know, help them out in the future and maybe maybe Vlad will uh, get traded or something. I don't know. And kind of the head scratching move of the trading deadline. We have the Miami Marlins actually making moves. The Miami Marlins making bigger news during the trading deadline than the New York Yankees who probably should have made some moves, but you know, it it is what it is. We get the Starling Marte from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, getting dealt over to Miami. Now the Diamondbacks are not doing so hot at the moment. They not, you know, full-blown fire sale trading off everyone, but the Mar- the Marlins picking up Starling Marte, kind of a head scratcher because obviously they're in no way. I mean, they technically are like in playoff contention, which is kind of shocking to begin with. They have good young players. I don't know, you know, why they would make this move exactly because Derek Jeter and all the other people out of the front office have been kind of vocal and trying to, cut costs and, you know, build towards the future. Which Starling Marte is a good, you know, maybe second, third guy on your, uh, on your roster. He's not the guy, but I think he's a, a good kind of veteran presence there for the rest of the young guys on that team. I was actually surprised that he was traded. Um, I mean, definitely. I'm not saying he's, you know, I, don't, I, I mean, I would consider him an all-star, but I mean, Definitely surprised that they made the move. But uh, who remind me who did the uh, Marlins trade? Oh, that would be very interesting if I had that information in front of me, Dominic. But I would assume because they have such young talent that they probably traded a bunch of prospects. I mean, pretty much the Marlins, you know, the entire roster is a minor league system. But oh, I just apparently the Cleveland Indians were looking to get Starling Marte, but. Unfortunately, he cannot. So let's see if I can click on the ESPN link as it loads. If I can get some people. The Miami Marlins acquired outfielder Starling Marte in a trade with the Arizona Diamondbacks on Monday. The Marlins versatile hitter defender as they try to make a surprising push for the playoffs. The Diamondbacks received pitchers Caleb Smith and Humberto Mejia and a player to be named later. later. So basically, the Marlins won that one. I guess. I mean, obviously, you have to see what those pitchers turn out to be. I think the pitching staff in Arizona isn't the best at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, Madison Bumgarner is nowhere near what he was all those years back in San Francisco, which he is returning to Oracle Park today. Obviously, no fans, but just something to keep an eye on. But uh, not to rub salt in the wound, Dominic, but unfortunately, you know, you, you were banging the drum for the Diamondbacks. Nothing. They didn't really... You know, not doing too much this year, but uh, do you think they still have a good building block, even though they are trading kind of their their star player away? I mean, no, <laughs> no, I I don't think that I'm. The only reason I chose Diamondbacks to kind I don't, I can't remember if they won the West or no. I had the Dodge. I think I had them come in second, but um, I don't see them doing anything now. I mean, shit, I put my money more on the Giants now, taking that wild card spot over them. And then we get some uh, random 
little moves. We get the Rockies getting outfielder Kevin Pillar from the Red Sox. I think this is a good move. I think the Rockies outfield and kind of lineup in general is a little crowded, but Pillar is a good, versatile number four or number three outfielder. The Rockies, I mean, I, we're looking at possibly four teams coming out of the West right now with the Dodgers and the Padres one and two, and then possibly the Rockies and even the Giants, as you said, a surprise team looking to make the playoffs at the moment. I mean, when, when you can drop 23 runs in a game, I mean, come on. I mean, shout out Alec Dickerson, literally dropping Dick all over the field. Am I right? Anyways, you are not. So, I mean, you're good. Mr. X's team, unfortunately, I I picked them to make the world series and that, uh, I'm sorry that the pick isn't looking out so hot right now, but the Reds did make some moves. We get, they, we get them like I'm on the team, Brian Goodwin outfielder from the angels. And they also get a uh, relief pitcher, Archie Bradley. I think the relief pitching the bullpen for the Reds have been atrocious at the moment. The lineup has been good starting pitcher starting pitching has been stellar with Bauer gray and Castillo. But I think definitely that, bullpen is what's hurting the reds at the moment now archie bradley probably isn't going to be a lights out pitcher for them by any means but another diamondback getting moved and the reds kind of floundering at the moment i think they still there's still a little bit of time we get about three weeks left in the season for them to make a run at it but it's not looking good for uh, me and mr x's reds the reds are trash that's why ever since the, ever since griffey retired he's trash um but i'm um, no uh who? You know what? I don't even know anything about the Reds. I'll be honest with you. I know a little bit about everything, but I don't know shit about the Reds. So I'm not even going to comment on it. They're trash. Wow. Can't wait for Mr. X to uh, respond to that comment. Then last but certainly not least, we got to be the homers and talk about the Oakland A's. They have tested positive for COVID-19 over the weekend. They had uh, only one person. We thought maybe that it was going to be a, person you know in the training staff or something like that but it ended up being a player pitcher bullpen arm slash you know spot starter daniel mengden he was the one that tested positive for COVID 19 they put him on the list the a's have not played a game since saturday they have done all the scheduling and stuff like that they got the series against the mariners postponed but they are going to play tonight against the padres now dominic your reaction to the oakland athletics being the most recent team to test positive for the Rona. I don't remember if we said anything about like, if we thunk or thought the A's were going to get it. I mean, I, I know we said, you know, all these other teams and we were talking shit about how, you know, all these other teams back East are getting it and, Oh, no one in the West coast has gotten it. And the next, you know, the A's are the first team in the West to get it. Do you feel like, you know, first off, how did he contract it? You know, was he running off and, you know, fucking partying like those other guys? Well, Bob Melvin, manager, and Dave Forrest, GM, both said that no one broke protocol, which is interesting. So I don't know if that means that possibly he contracted it through his family and that his family got it from somewhere else. But, I mean, coronavirus, I mean, we saw today or this week that The Rock tested positive. You know, there's celebrities all the time that are coming out and saying they have tested positive. Some... You know, might be a little lackadaisical, but obviously the A's, they came out and said, you know, we have no reason to believe that Daniel Magnin did anything wrong in the situation. And I would hope to believe him. And the other thing is 
that this is the second team in a row to test positive, get things under control. Yes, the A's might have missed an entire season, uh, series, only you know missed four or five days in a row, but they were able to contain it and only limit it to one person. There was not a spread as we saw early in the year with the, Mar- at the, with the Marlins and with the Cardinals. So I think this is a good sign for baseball. Who knows if they are going to move the playoffs to a bubble scenario, which seems likely just because, you know, keep everyone in house, limit the travel and everything like that. But, uh, you know, obviously it sucks. I, I kind of miss the A's. I haven't seen them in a week. I mean, I, I missed one series. I didn't watch the Astros series because I had to go over to see my father for his birthday and the entire season just goes to shit. It's all my fault. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I haven't watched a single game. Oh, and I took it back. I watched a couple games. So, never mind. I'm a in. I'm a live sports fan, not a sit at home and watch them on the TV fan. These also did make some trade moves. They got Tommy Lastella, utility man of the Los Angeles Angels. They traded Franklin Barreto, who has been just absolute trash. Unfortunately, you know he doesn't get too much playing time, but. The A's getting another second baseman. I mean, they traded a second baseman for a second baseman, but the Stella, a utility man, can play all over the field. I believe he's a left-handed bat, which is something the A's desperately need. Uh, so, Dominic, your reaction, you know, obviously he's not going to start you know, every day, but another bat for the A's to have in their lineup. I mean, do you don't think he'll start over Tony Kemp? You like Tony Kemp? I do like Tony Kemp. Dominic, how many times do I tell you, Tony Kemp, hottest Hitter on the Oakland A's, even though that technically is Robbie Grossman. Robbie Grossman is just fucking on fire. I know if there's anybody out there who doesn't watch that West Coast baseball, and I'm I'm definitely being biased right now, but Robbie Grossman, if there was all star, there was an All Star season this year. I mean, Robbie Grossman should be an All Star. I'm just saying. I mean, I I've I've seen, uh, what's his name, Stella play more than uh than Kemp. So that's why I would think, okay, he would start over Kemp or at least, you know, fight for the, for the position. But I mean, I think it's a great pickup. Um, I just, I, I, if the A's didn't make a trade, I think the A's would have been fine no matter what, but I don't, I don't know. I don't really think this helps or hurts them. And the other trade, I think the bigger trade that the A's made is they traded for left-handed veteran pitcher, Mike Miner from the Texas Rangers. Lance Lynn was apparently on the trading block as well as Joey Gallo, but the A's got Mike Miner. I feel as though Mike Miner, he's a good enough pitcher, I think, with uh, Sean Manaya struggling. I think he's a guy that you want to maybe plug in there. Jesus Lazardo, you know, struggling a little bit. I think he's been good as well, but I think Mike Miner coming in there, the starting pitching has been a little lackluster as of late. The bullpen has been absolutely shut down. A's hitting gets the job done. You wish that average was a little bit better. Strikeouts, way too much, but that's just how the game is rolling these days. I would, I would have loved to get Lance Lynn just because he's one of the best pitchers in the game right now, but I just feel as though the A's don't have enough prospect capital to give up unless you were to trade you know, a Puck or a Lazardo or one of their like really star guys. They already traded Jorge Mateo or let Jorge Mateo go to the Padres. So I feel as though the A's didn't have enough to get Lance Lynn, so they had to settle for Mike Miner. I would have honestly been fine with them trading Puck. I'm sorry. Um, not that he's bad or anything, but I don't feel like he I, – I, I think I would, I would have got rid of Puck in a heartbeat. I'm sorry. He is inj- – and I, want, I don't want to say injury-prone, but he has been injured a lot recently. I mean, he had Tommy yeah. John. He was out for a year, and then he comes back, gets injured again. He is throwing again, so hopefully he can join the team for the playoff push. Probably just going to be a bullpen arm, come in there, power lefty 
I still like Puck. Uh, obviously, hold on to Lazardo until his rookie contract runs out, and then you can trade him or not sign him because that's what the A's do all the time. So, moving on, continuing on, last thing of baseball, we get some more drama with throwing at people's heads and everything like that. We get the Yankees taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, this is a whole ordeal. I guess it dates back to like three years ago when the Rays threw at the Yankees a few times. And then fast forward to this past week where Masahiro Tanaka throws at the leadoff hitter. Seems pretty intentional. Missed the first one inside. Throws again. Hits the guy on the ass. Then we get to the ninth inning. Aurelis Chapman comes up. Michael Brasso. Definitely got that name right. Throws behind him a few times. One right at his head. Could have just drilled him right in the ear hole. And then this goes to this whole ordeal. Uh, Kevin Cash, manager for the Tampa Bay Rays, comes out and says, you know, in so many words, you know, that's bullshit. I got guys who can throw 97 as well, which is not so, you know, lightly veiled threat at them. And all in all, Aurelis Chapman gets suspended three games. And the managers, Kevin Cash and Aaron Boone, have been suspended one game. I think Chapman is appealing right now, so he's still pitching. But I I feel it's kind of weird that Joe Kelly doesn't hit anybody doesn't throw anyone's head. He gets suspended eight games. Yet Aurelis Chapman throws a hell, whole hell of a lot harder than Joe Kelly. Nearly almost decapitated a man, yet he only gets three games. What the fuck's going on here? I was honestly going to bring that up. I'm like, because Kelly threw behind him, right? He never hit anybody. He didn't well, well, hit but, anyone, I mean, and it wasn't in the head. It was more, you know, back, hip but, area. Yeah, and then that's the thing for me is, you know, I still think, you know, if he would have hit, if anybody hits anyone, you know, one time fine. But the, if it's an ongoing thing in the game, yeah, I understand. You got to throw him out and everything. But I mean, Chapman's a fucking, his arm is fucking dangerous. And you're going to be chucking that. It looked intentional. Do you think it was intentional is the question now. Intent is always hard to determine because no matter what, you can always say the other way and it's really hard to prove it. Now, I think the Tanaka one, that seemed pretty intentional to me. I know he doesn't throw 101 like Chapman, but when you, when you throw inside pretty much the same spot two times in a row, that seemed intentional. Chapman does have a little bit of accuracy issues because when you're throwing that hard, it's kind of get, hard to get it under control. But, I mean, when you throw it up high and tight a few times like that, you got you to take care of that. That's just unacceptable. I'm all, I'm all for throwing up guys, but just put it in their back pocket. Don't go headhunting. I mean, if you, I mean, kind of like the how uh, Loriano told him, like, come on, you got to cut it a little bit better or whatever. You would be okay with, you know, if if you're gonna hit me, hit me, but hit me in the fucking back. Don't try to fucking hit me up high. You'd be okay with that. I'm okay with, you know, I'll I'll take it in the back. I'll get a bruise. I'll be back. I'll be able to play. But if you hit me in the head, I get a concussion. That not only can put me on the shelf for a little bit, that can ruin someone's career, and that's just unacceptable. I'm taking notes. Next time I see him, throwing a fastball at your head. Then we got some NBA news to talk about. We have the NBA playoffs, which have been absolutely insane these last couple of days. Some great finishes, and we have some shocking uh, results right now. We have the big news at the moment is my Miami Heat are up two games to zero against the best team, quote-unquote, best team in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks. Dominic, your reaction to the Heat Beating the Milwaukee Bucks, yes, obviously there was some controversy during game two. If you want to talk about that, go ahead. But what is going on with the Bucks? They just they struggled against the Magic, 
and now they're struggling down 2-0 against the Heat. Luckily, this isn't a bubble, so they don't have to go back to Miami down 2-0, but not, not looking good for the best team in the league right now. I mean, I saw most of game two, but what what are you talking about? What happened? Are you talking about the 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 very money? end with it with the two calls on the sh- the two you know? Oh, okay. Fouls. I didn't I didn't I didn't see that part of it. I saw the they were talking about when he elbowed the guy in the face or whatever. But um, uh, I'm actually really shocked. I I didn't not that I think the Heat were bad enough to you know I thought they would get swept or anything like that. But to be up two zero against the Bucks, I mean that that's a pretty big deal. I know uh, Iguodala, I think, sprained his ankle or hurt his ankle in game two. Um, I mean, Jimmy Butler's doing – I think – I'm not changing my picks. I still think the Bucks can go, but they definitely – Giannis definitely needs to step up. Bloodstone needs to step – like, a lot of their key – their players need to step up. You can't put it all on Giannis. As we are recording right now, it is late in the fourth quarter. The Bucks are up 99-98, to 98, so quite possibly by the time we are done with this podcast, the Miami – Miami Heat might go up 3-0 against the Bucs, which is shocking as much as I, you know, kind of have a little bit of fun and like the Heat. I mean, the Bucs, when you have your best player who's not a perimeter shooter, you can't shoot the ball all that well, and then you got, you know, a lot of guys on the other side who can do that, it is kind of hard. Now, Dominic, do you think, you know, we're not going to project because we'll do that at the end of the season, but what happens if things don't get done in Milwaukee? Is Giannis gone? Or is he staying? You don't have to give a team or anything, but just what does this series do if they don't get the job done? I mean, honestly, if they get swept by the Heat, Giannis is gone for sure. Definitely, there's no, there's no if ands or buts. He's gone. Um, given teams, I mean, I know everyone's already speculating the Warriors, but I mean, I could see him definitely going somewhere else. Um, j- j- just kind of like, kind of like AD, kind of like Kawhi, kind of like you know everyone else. They want to be contenders. The Bucks are contenders. Don't get me wrong. But if they can't build around Giannis and get perimeter shooters, defenders, and all this other stuff, he's not he's not going to want to stay. You know, Golden State is probably I think the most rumored team for him. I mean, you have Steph, you got Clay, you got Draymond, shit, you got uh, Wiggins. I, I mean, if that's not a fucking terrorizing team right there, if if you if you were to land Giannis, I mean, come on. Then the other. Series on the East Coast, we have the Boston Celtics, who were up two games to zero against the Toronto Raptors, the defending NBA champions. They were looking to go up 3-0, but we get a buzzer beater at the end of the game, which is kind of when a buzzer beater takes place is at the end of the game. But Toronto able to get a game, so now Boston up two games to one after sweeping my 76ers. Don't think we're going to – we don't got to talk about that. But the Celtics looking very good against the Raptors, kind of a surprise team for how successful they have been. Dominic, you got, I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. Do you think the Raptors can get the job done and make the comeback, or do you think the Celtics will move on to the finals, Eastern finals? Uh, I think I'll, I'll take the Celtics. Not that I, I think it's going to be 4-3 Celtics, but I just think the Celtics will edge them out just a little bit. And then over to the West Coast, we get game one of the Clippers and the Nuggets, just an absolute drumming, I think. I mean, I, don't, I didn't expect it to be that bad, but I do expect the Clippers to get the job done. I think the the Nuggets will be able to bounce back, but I think at the end of the day, the Clippers will win and move on to the Western Finals for that LA matchup we both predicted. I mean, it's kind of obvious. I mean, actually, you know what? I, I, I'll take the underdog. I think uh, I think the Clippers will choke it somehow. They like they just, always do. The Nuggets were just able to squeak past the Utah Jazz and the Clippers. I know Utah Jazz. I know people are kind of making fun of Paul George, but I think if you get Paul George going, Kawhi is going to Kawhi 
And I think the Clippers will get it done. Now, the other side, the other LA series going to start up today. They are fa- the LA Lakers are facing the Houston Rockets. The Rockets just beat the Oklahoma City Thunder in seven games. Another phenomenal finish. Dominic, your thoughts on the Rockets being able to beat the Thunder. James Harden, not exactly getting the job done offensively, but he actually made a big-time defensive move at the end of the game. Holy shit. You mean James Harden actually played defense? That's fucking mind-boggling. Um, I was rooting for OKC. I would I would have loved to have Chris Paul beat Harden and Westbrook. I would have fucking loved it. Sadly, that didn't happen. Um, do I think the Rockets – I think the Rockets aren't going to make it. To the, to the to the championships, I think they'll whoever uh, they're who are they going against Lakers, right? Correct. So I, I yeah, they're not going to beat the Lakers. So you'll have the Lakers waiting for I would say the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets will beat that series. So I think it's going to be Lakers, Nuggets, West Finals. Bada boom. All right, we're going to have to stay tuned and find out about that. So now we're going to move on over to. Or no, we got one more quick NBA news. The Nets hire Steve Nash. He's actually been a coach with the Warriors for a long time. Dominic, your reaction to Steve Nash taking on this this team, star-studded Kyrie and KD. I mean, he's going to be coaching year one with both of these guys playing together for the first time. I think it's great. Uh, Steve Nash, I, you know, we've had a lot of other coaches, you know, players turned coaches. I feel like Nash will be better than like Jason Kidd and um, you know, not to take anything, anything away from doc rivers, but he's going to be better than doc rivers. I think, I think his mind, his mindset is his NBA or basketball IQ, whatever you want to call it, I think is very, very well. I mean, I think it's better than rivers and better than kid. And um, you know, there's been a plethora of other players turned coaches and I think Nash will do fine. We'll have to stay tuned to find out about that. I think he'll do good. I mean, when you got that core of KD and Kyrie, we still haven't seen them play, so we don't know how well they're going to mesh. But I think because of all the hoopla and how much you know people kind of clown on them, they want to go out there and perform. And who knows how much of that is going to be on Steve Nash, but I think KD and Kyrie will definitely be able to uh, carry the burden for that rookie head coach. Now, we get the NFL. We have a lot of running back news. Not most of it, not very good. We get Alvin Kamara the star running back for the New Orleans Saints. He held out of practice. He had an unexcused absence is what they're calling it. He returned to practice, still on the team. The Saints looking to trade him. Obviously a key component for that team, possibly Drew Brees' last season. Super Bowl or bust, I guess, for the Saints this year. Dominic, your reaction. And, you know, possibly if someone to maybe play fantasy football, what would you do? with Alvin Kamara, who's a bona fide top five running back, but are you risking it for the biscuit? I'm sorry. I don't want to give away fantasy talk. I'm not on points and doinks, so they can listen to that for your uh, expertise. But I don't know if uh, – I don't think the, the Saints would be very stupid to shop him. I feel like he is, like you said, top five – if this is Drew Brees' last season, you want to go out with the bank. You Why are you going to turn away one of your best choices? So, I mean, they'll be stupid to trade them. Yeah, I think the Saints have to figure out a way to get a deal done. Not saying they got to actually get a deal done this year before the season starts, but 
I think you've got to hold on to Kamara at least this year because he is that he is a, a key guy for that team. I think obviously Thomas and Kamara are going to be able to make Drew Brees a little bit better because he is a little out there in age. And then you get Leonard Fournette. He gets released from the Jacksonville Jaguars and then clears waivers. No one picks him up because of that contract. And then he signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have kind of a crowded backfield of some middle of the road running backs. So Fournette just kind of sticking there with them. Dominic, I mean, Fournette, number four pick a few years ago, gets released. You know, if he had a better team, maybe he could be a lot better, but he just hasn't performed to what he was doing back in those college days at LSU. I mean, I th- my honest opinion, Fournette was going to be one of my sleeper picks, depending on where he landed. He, like you said, given the right team, he he could he could be a beast. Um, Buccaneers, I feel like I'm not too up to par with their uh, their oh their offensive line, but if they're good, I think Fournette would be a great sleeper and a great fit. Yeah, Jacksonville overall just does not have a good offensive line. He's able – he ranks pretty low in yards before contact, which kind of shows that the line is letting people get through and touching them. But he's ranked really good after contact, so he's able to get through that and get a lot of yards. So I think it's a wait-and-see attitude just to see how everything plays out because you don't know how, the, how he's going to mesh with the system. It's only a few days away from week one, so I, I wouldn't – you know, say he's going to be there week one and get get 100 yards and a touchdown, but he's just one of those guys to kind of keep an eye out and see what happens. Now, another guy to keep an eye out, he's unfortunately had so many chances to get things right. He has a plethora of talent, and that is Josh Gordon. He signs with the Seattle Seahawks once again. I feel like we say this, you know, all the time. Great talent. Unfortunately, he just can't stay off the weed. Dominic, does he finally get his shit together? with the Seahawks once again. I mean, honestly, can we just get over marijuana? I mean, if you're... Tell, tell us about why marijuana should be legal and let, let people... Let Gordon smoke. Let Gordon I mean, smoke. Let I mean, as smoke. long as he doesn't come to practice or the game high, I feel like what you do on your off time is your off time. Yeah, if it's crystal meth, if it's crack cocaine, if it's, you know, uh, fucking bath salts, whatever, acid, whatever you're... Matt Johnson you're, said before every game he would take a Viagra. That, that's, that's fine. But it's one of those things where, you know, if... You know, it's not hurting anyone, man. It's, you're at your house. You're, in, you're fucking in your hotel room. You want to fucking just relax. And, you know, sometimes it, it, it it's helps for pain and whatnot. I think that's better than taking pills. Sometimes it's better than, you know, doing other other ways to feel better. But... Hopefully he does get it right this time. If not, I guess we'll be seeing that uh, that release sooner than later. And now we have week one on the horizon this Thursday, which means the return of everyone's favorite segment, or at least Dominic's favorite segment. Uh, uh, Dominic's picks. Dun, dun. Wow, such, uh, such fervor for this comeback of a segment that we've been building up and then it's like a do, okay do you want me to do we do another take okay we're gonna we're gonna pretend like that didn't happen okay, so ready? week one coming up you know everyone we're waiting you, you've got to put some money down we got the stone cold lock for the opening 
game this week with all right so the opening game this thursday or next thursday it's on a thursday figure it out we got the super bowl champion kansas city chiefs hosting the houston texans without deandre hopkins but with not duke johnson whatever his name is david johnson so, your thoughts, who's getting the win? Dominic, tell the people who's getting the first win of this weird COVID 2020 NFL season. You would be stupid not to pick the Kansas City Chiefs. You got Mahomes, you got Kelsey, you got, you got a great, great team over there in Kansas City. Trust me, go with KC. There you go. You heard it here first. It, it might be the obvious pick, but it's the smart pick. I'm also going with Kansas City as well. I think that trade, not going to say it's going to be debilitating by any means, but I think when you trade away the arguably number two best wide receiver in the game for a old sort of broken down running back with a big, big contract, don't think it's the best idea. So I will go with the Chiefs as well. So as we transition into the world of pro wrestling we gotta cross the bridge of questions which is also known as mr x's questions of the week dong dong anyways brandon got a question for you do you know uh, scott hall's catchphrase i mean which one he has like so many the one he starts when he when he first comes in the ring and grabs the microphone what's he usually saying hey yo Hey, you got the opening statement from Mr. X, correct? So he starts off with, hey, yo. R.E.P. Tom Seaver. Cool. Great. Wonderful. Sad to see it. Um, so the first question, Brandon, it's kind of a, you know, you're, you're, you're a swagged out kind of guy, aren't you? Would you consider yourself swag, swagged out sometimes? I mean, I would say maybe sometimes, but I'll be honest, I've been wearing my Nike slides, I feel like, every day since quarantine started. I take that back. Anyways, so question is, after seeing the Chiefs receive their Super Bowl rings, is it just him, or do these things keep getting bigger and bigger? Well, I think everything gets bigger because, you know, you got to outdo the last team. So I think they're getting bigger. What about you? Well, I mean, obviously, they just keep getting bigger and bigger. I haven't actually seen the ring, so we're going to get a uh... – I mean, I know they did the, the ceremony, but for some reason, I just did not see the ring. So let's uh, click on this bad boy right so here. While you do that, I'll go on to the next question because it is... That thing of... looks pretty good. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't have like a like a size for like a hand or what it looks like, but I mean, you got the big old, logo. Got the big old logo with the two Lombardis on the back. You get world champions. I mean, it, it's a pretty straightforward ring. I mean, obviously they're going to be fucking huge because they're always fucking huge. But okay, well the second part, second question, Brandon, is also if you had one, would you wear it all the time or put it on a display? Is what he would do. But what would you do? Would you wear that thing? Or would you just let that be in your little office? So when it comes to the rings, I think it's always a case by case basis. We see uh, Jake Roberts; he wears it all the time. I think he, I mean, he wears it on AEW, which I always kind of find a little hilarious. But I think for me. It's kind of a flex thing. You bring it to the the team gatherings. You know, if you're going to the if you're like if I'm a Chiefs player, 
30 years from now, if I'm going back, if I'm going to a game, I'm always busting out that bad boy. I'm not wearing around going to Walmart by any means, but <laughs> I think it's something that, you know, you break out to flex on them, but you also have the nice little case and display case for it as well. So I would do, obviously I'm doing both, but I think I would wear it a little bit more than Mr. X would. All right. Well, the next one's kind of a, kind of a hard one for you. Probably it's an easy one for me. Uh, which could you rather live without Jordan's six titles or Brady's six titles? I'll take Jordan all day. Sorry, Tommy boy. What would you take? So, so you, you will live without Jordan's six rings? I guess so. So you're taking Tom Brady. No, 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 no. That, that, was, that was Mr. X saying, I'll take Jordan's all damn day. Sorry, Tommy boy. So well, I gonna... guess he, he's saying he's taking, you know, he's taking Jordan over Brady. Are you taking Jordan over Brady or Brady over Jordan? I'm taking Jordan over Brady all day. I just think it's a much better story. Yes, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. I know, hot take. But <laughs> I, I feel as though, you know, the story, winning three, leaving, Winning six in a row. Yes, he had. Well, I guess technically he had the one year where he came back and they lost in the playoffs. But anyways, we're just gonna for for sake forget, six yeah, in a row. About that. Yeah. Forget, forget about that. You know, he was playing Space Jam or whatever. But yeah. I mean, Michael Jordan. He's a mythical figure at this point. Just like the legend, just mm-hmm. keeps growing and growing. And Tom Brady, great quarterback. But you can also say maybe he lucked into it because he had the greatest coach of all time, which also Michael Jordan probably had the greatest coach of all time, but greatness. But, you, but one thing you don't hear with Jordan six, you don't hear a deflate gate. You don't hear, you know, spy gate. You don't hear any of that kind of stuff. All you, all you, you just had Jordan a crippling is. gambling addiction. Exactly. All right. Now, because that is the last sports question. I don't know if you want to go say goodbye to your points and doinks co-host. Well, Dominic, I, was, I wasn't going to bring this up, but uh, you, you, I know you probably don't want to listen to the latest episode of uh, Trapdoor to Hell, but uh, I, 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 would, uh, I don't know if I'd recommend you, but uh, probably should. Swear to God, I'll fucking burn their house down. Um, anyways, I will. So, moving on to the wrestling portion of Mr. X's questions. And this is a New Japan thing, so I need you to go in depth, please. So the question is, now that Naito has won back the IWGP heavyweight and Intercontinental titles, what was the point of putting them on EVIL in the first place? Shock value? Trying to establish EVIL as a major, major singles competitor? And where does he go from here? So I think it's more of getting EVIL some credibility, putting it on him, you know, make it kind of shock value, establish that he can be maybe not a top guy, but on the upper echelon. Now, I haven't seen the match, I'll be honest, but I think putting the title on Naito definitely makes sense. Uh, with the G1 coming up, who knows if they're going to be able to get some Gaijins in the tournament, Will Ospreay, Jay White, and stuff like that. I think going into Wrestle Kingdom, you got to think that either Jay White or Okada is a logical next step. But I think just putting the title on Evil, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of bouncing titles back and forth as we've kind of seen on NXT, but... I mean, I'm not against it, but maybe just having Naito win it. But he Naito's also kind of like the Sasha Banks of New Japan, where he's always kind of he he gets it sometimes, but he just doesn't get that long established. You know, he's the guy title reign like Sasha has. But my question is why why does he win back both, not just one? Why can't Evil 
Well, thus far, they haven't really established having one title on the line. It's always been two. It, I know it's only been oh. doing this for a year, but every title defense thus far, it's always been both titles. So oh, as okay. long as they don't do the Keith Lee thing where they relinquish one or they you – know, for the, for the most part, it's a dual thing. So that, that. Okay. 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 All right. Moving on. That is it for the, you know, non-WWE questions. Now I'm going WWE. So uh, he, he says, you know, there's a cap. There's an all caps word in here with some explanation points. I'm not going to scream it. I'm just going to read it. Uh, still pissed about the Iconics disbanding. If WWE had any balls, they'd put them in the world that they had. Good. Bless you. Hello. Uh, if they had any balls, they'd put them in the role that they had Bailey and Sasha in, minus the whole underlining storyline of them turning on one another. Bailey and Peyton are like peanut butter and chocolate, or peanut butter and jelly. I was going to say, goddamn. Uh, basically, peanut butter and anything, they belong together. Brandon, how do you feel? Well, it sucks. You know, big Iconics fan over here. Dominic and I keep asking the studio audience if we could wear iconic shirts to a wrestling event, but she would have beat us up if that had happened for studio audience, not the biggest fan of the iconic. So she must be happy that they have broken up or maybe she's not happy because that means we're going to get double the iconics. But anyways, uh, I just felt like, I mean, we can just talk about it right now. I just felt like it was just so rushed and it didn't make any sense why they were doing this. I think if you kind of read into it, they didn't like it. Like if you kind of see the buildup, you can kind of see that they just weren't there. They, you know, seemed kind of off, which makes sense. It seemed like one of those typical Vince things where he thinks of it last minute and is like, okay, we're going to do this career altering thing and break you guys up with no build, no real reason behind it, just because you lose a match. And I, I mean, it's stupid. The Iconics, as much as people kind of hate them, I mean, at least they're an established tag team and that women's tag team division is not very good to begin with. So at least they're still, they can be there and always have a match for or against the tag titles or whatever. But Dominic, your thoughts, I think it was stupid and rushed and didn't make as you could do it later on down the line, but just make it mean a lot more. Well, I mean, I just would have liked a little more of a backstory, you know, like let them lose a couple, you know, like, you know, let them lose a bunch or, you know, have them, you know, get a couple of title opportunities and always, you know, maybe Peyton fucks up one, then Billy fucks up another and then Billy fucks up another. And then Peyton says, fuck you, you, you know, something like that. But the kind of just like you said, just, oh, yeah, losing team, can't be a tag team. Anymore. It's kind of like, you know, that makes no sense at all. But then again, we don't make billions of dollars. Vince McMahon does. So can't complain. So they actually made an appearance on Raw Underground, and I guess Peyton kind of turned on Billy. I mean, kind of. I don't really know. But what she do you think? She just threw her in the, in the little – In the ring for the big ring four horsemen, thing. For the four horsemen to beat her up. So where do you see each one of them going – I would assume Peyton is going to be the bigger star, more pushed than Billy, even though I think Billy is a little more entertaining than Peyton. But uh, I think as though Billy might fall to the wayside, be honest, would be shocked if she gets released anytime soon. But who knows? But see, like my, my whole thing is if Vince was smart, you, you could also play it off as this is a way for them to, you know, get someone a singles title. You can kind of say like, oh, they broke up. And then you can have – one of them run in on a match and then screw the champion over and get the other one to win. You know what I mean? You can use it in a way that you can kind of swerve some people, but I doubt that's going to happen. I agree. Billy probably get, it's going to be Peyton. You know, it's going to be Peyton. Um, But you know, and the other thing too, is if whoever gets the title push or the singles push, if they don't live up to it and 
they just say, fuck it, what's going to scrap it, at least he can go back to them being a tag team. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know. All right. Is that it for all the questions, Dominic? No, we actually got one left, and I know you can't wait to talk about it. The question is, as I let the anticipation of the room, does AJ's COVID diagnosis mean some drastic changes to WWE's handling of the disease? Well, it was my understanding that AJ was in that same boat as Renee Young, where he tested positive kind of in that area. And I think we have seen that WWE has gotten a lot more strict, has, you know, kind of clamped down and been a lot better at the protocols. Now, kind of going off on that, Renee Young, I don't know if you've kind of seen the interview that she did, but she kind of said that when she went public, she didn't talk to WWE thinking she didn't really have to. But apparently WWE did not like that she went public, which is just kind of a shitty thing to do because it's like, like, why do you guys really care? And like kind of putting her in hot water. And I think it just kind of shows how bad of a company and the, you know, the energy over there is. Well, I mean, to speak blunt and, you know, hopefully none of my employers or higher ups hear this. When uh, I worked in Moraga and we had a cashier have, it was just a scare. But because uh, she ended up actually testing negative, but her roommate tested positive, but she, the roommate tested again, it was negative. Um, but actually we were not allowed to post anything that said, Hey, we had a coworker test, uh, have someone test positive or anything like that. Um, I ha- uh, the reason I know that is because a coworker of mine posted today at work, coworker found out her roommate had COVID and the management found it and said, you need to take that down immediately. Because of, I, I don't, they, she didn't say any names. Didn't, she didn't say anything. All she said was a lady from Clayton who's training in my store, roommate COVID tested positive. So um, I understand from that standpoint, I do see why WWE would be pissed. Um, then again, they are independent contractors, but you're, I don't know if your contract states anywhere. Hey, if you get a disease, you can't say anything. So I, I honestly don't know. I just, I hope that wasn't a big deciding factor in her leaving. She did say like when she did get COVID, it was kind of like a time where she was able to sit back. And it was also the same time where her show got canceled. And she was like, okay, what am I going to do with my life? Do I still want to be here with WWE or do I want to go out and try to explore and do some different things? And it's kind of like the what if scenario. And I don't know, like I'm not a legal expert by any means, but I mean, from what you're saying, Dominic, I feel as though like that is not very legal. Like, why does the person have to take down something? And from Renee's standpoint, she even said, like, I was kind of saying that for safety purposes, like telling people who were interacting with me who possibly could contract the the virus, be like, look, you know, I have it. So if you feel as though, you know, you're feeling it in any which way, then go get tested and do all that other shit. So I just feel like companies should just, you know, chill the fuck out. Like, I understand it's a PR nightmare, but like... Well, it's it's illegal for... Any company to so like if I tested positive today, it's illegal for my company to tell my coworkers Dominic tested positive. It's HIPAA. You can't. You yeah, can't but you're, yeah, disclose but that. You're, yeah, but but if why, I why do they have to I'm say you can't that, post it. Well, exactly. I can say, hey, I tested positive. Everyone, it was me. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Blah blah blah. Um, I don't know why. I mean, she technically did nothing legally wrong. It was probably the fact that WWE wanted to get in front of it and say like, hey, Renee. Renee's been home this whole the whole month, so none of our people, you know, probably they probably want to be able to 
a plan around it so people can't start attacking them saying you guys aren't doing anything maybe but i mean then again it's wwe they dealt with a lot worse than that all right so now let's get into some of the wrestling news we have three free agents brock lesnar obviously the biggest one I was debating whether to put this in sports news because obviously he has the UFC MMA link, but I feel as though Brock isn't going back to the UFC because I think if he was a free agent, and it feels as though he was, he's been a free agent for a long period, that this would have been known. There would have been a lot more public knowledge and stuff like that, like when it happened around WrestleMania 31 when he did the whole sit-down interview and announced on SportsCenter. So I feel as though UFC, I don't think he's going to go back to UFC I think obviously WWE is the most likely scenario, but I think the most intriguing scenario is obviously what if AEW wants to pay up for Brock Lesnar, Dominic? They're not going to pay for Brock. I mean, the the only way they would land land Brock is under their terms, not Brock's terms. I mean, you really want Brock Lesnar to be there four or five times out of the year? No, they're going to want him there multiple times a month at least. So I don't see that ever being a possibility unless Brock wa- unless Brock wants to work. But I mean, do you, would do you honestly think they first of all are going to pay that amount of money and, and second will be willing to do what Brock wants or are they going to fucking say no Brock if you want to wrestle you're going to wrestle every day every week for the next 12 months. Well that would be discussed beforehand and in the contract and stuff. And I'm not saying make Brock Lesnar an everyday thing. I would I would be open to possibly having him come in maybe for a one-off feud if you want. But it's the thing is like AEW, are you trying to make like that big statement of bringing in a Brock Lesnar? And what does that do? Will Brock Lesnar bring in and make you guys get over 2 million viewers on TNT? Probably not. But I feel as though just the aesthetic and the cons have so much money that they have, you know, fuck you money that they could throw at Brock Lesnar. And maybe it's not going to pay off in the long term, or, you know, in the short term, but maybe in the long term, there will be some people like getting some eyeballs on AEW because of Brock Lesnar and maybe just kind of these aura of, Hey, look, we have a big time main event, WWE, not even like a WWE, just a star on our roster. And the other thing is like, who does he feud with? Kenny Omega, Maybe, I mean, that would have been the go-to a year ago, but not anymore from what Kenny's doing. I think kind of the obvious one might be Hangman just because of he is the star on the rise. But I would maybe take a shot at Brock, but I'm still saying WWE is the clear-cut way he's going if he goes anywhere. I think it's AEW and then a fall-off, or WWE, then a fall-off of AEW, and then another fall-off, and then UFC. So my, my, my question to you is, how you said of cons have fuck you money. Vince also has definitely, you want to fuck me, I'll fuck you money. Granted, yes, Bucks, Omega, you know, Hangman, all those guys know and heard the stories of WWE. But, you know, if Vince was to say, if Vince was to say how much are they paying, you know, if they're paying, if your mucks are getting a million a year for wrestling at AEW, Vince says, we'll give you three and I won't, I'll, I'll write in a contract. I'm not fucking with you. You do whatever you want within these, you know, you know, television, you know, rules and everything like that. But you guys are, you guys are the young bucks. You guys have the, you guys are elite. You guys have this. I won't, you know, if he actually was to play ball, do you think people like that? If, if they want to fuck Vince, would Vince fuck him back like that? 
I mean, the con, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, like what their net value is, but I feel as though the cons are a whole hell of a lot richer than what Vince McMahon is. And I mean, they own the Jags, they own uh, whatever, a Premier League soccer team. So they have a lot of money. And I think if you just want to throw out there, I think also the thing to look at is like, what would this do for the, the locker room? Like Moxley seemingly has heat with Brock, maybe Brock, I mean, it's Brock. He's probably going to rub some people the wrong way. He's going to be standoffish. He's not going to want to do anything, you know, with the boys, so to speak. So, I, I mean, I could see this possibly being a negative for the locker room, and maybe that spreads and possibly, you know, it just one thing leads to another. And AEW is like, oh, it's, the, it's happy land. Everyone gets along here, and it's paradise. And WWE is this hellhole. But then if AEW kind of, you know, poisons the water a little bit, maybe those people at WWE who have get the guaranteed money and maybe will take a pay cut to go to go to AEW because it's such a a fun place to work. You bring in Brock, mess it up a little bit. Maybe that's going to cost them in the long run. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Well, another person who has links to both pro wrestling and MMA, Mauro Ranallo, NXT commentator, has been mysteriously absent the past few weeks to a month and it has come out that they have mutually parted ways no story nothing like what happened the first time with the whole jbl bullying situation but it is sad to see morrow go i really like what he did at nxt obviously him and beth were not there in the building but i feel as though they still did a good job and when those takeovers took place he was able to go to that next level and make the match that much better so i hate it vic joseph is kind of one of those pretty boy robots that wwe seemed to turn out for their uh, play-by-play guys, but who knows? I mean, Mauro, he's a character. Hopefully we can uh, see him call some sort of MMA or boxing later on down the line. I mean, I would love for him to take Tony's spot. I mean, to have – well, I actually take that back. He could take JR's spot. I think JR definitely – Well, with the recent heat that Excalibur has – I mean, Morrow is pretty much like Excalibur. Obviously, he might not have the knowledge or the link to the PWG guys in the indie scene, but Morrow can be that smart guy to kind of hold the hands of the older JR and Tony who might not know everything about this younger generation. That's why I, I think Morrow would be a great addition to that commentating booth, especially with all the flipsy dudes that AEW does. All those Mamma Mia's, all those little, oh my gods, what the hells. I think those would be perfect. Granted, I know he you know, comes from MMA and boxing and all that. So even if that's the case, I'm happy. But, you know, I, can, I, I, I still remember the, that tech takeover I watched. And that was like the first one I really heard his commentating. And all the Mamma Mia's, it, 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 it made me laugh. It made me giggle. He's truly going to be missed. All right. And then finally, some breaking news that happened today. We get... The Authors of Pain, Akam and Razor, they have been released. And just another one of those guys from NXT, not going to put too much blame on Vince on this one because they have had some injury issues in the past. Now, I mean, it, it was just kind of out of nowhere. I don't know exactly what has gone down. I haven't really read into it, if there's any some backstage standings. But they came in, they were first with Seth Rollins after the heel turn, and then one of them gets injured. And obviously, they're kind of a dual package here, so... Do you think AOP is uh, going to – I think they're going to land on their feet. Yeah, they have only really had – I mean, they've had some pretty good matches in NXT, but character-wise, promo-wise, not the best. So I think maybe if you can get 
a manager, a mouthpiece with them. I think they could be good. Not saying they got to go to AEW, but I think New Japan, I think New Japan honestly can be a really good landing spot for them because they are those big bruising guys. I was going to say New Japan. I was actually going to say Impact. I think um, if this person's up for the task of managing them, I think James Mitchell will be a good a good manager. I know he came back a couple years ago uh, to do something with Abyss, but I mean, I think James Mitchell or or you know even somebody you know that just knows how to manage. I think TNA would be also a good spot. If if they go to AEW, they're they're too stiff. For, to be a tag team in AEW. Granted, yeah, you have FTR there. Um, I mean, at the moment, you don't really have that big monster tag team, which could be something different, which is nice to see because we have kind of the same tag teams all over the place that do the high spots. Yeah, but I just, I, you know, I, I guess. But yeah, they'll, they'll land on their feet. They'll be fine. All right, now we're just going to quickly go over Raw. We talked about the Iconics breaking up, but Randy Orton is the number one contender for Drew McIntyre's title. He's going to take. He's going to have the the match at Night of Champions in a few weeks. A uh, bunch of different tag or a bunch of qualifying matches. Rey Mysterio tore his triceps, so Dominic had to fill in for him. Kind of laughing, you know. Kind of doesn't make sense why Dominic is having a match when he's only one and two in his his record but it is what it is so Orton gets the win in the cliche wwe triple threat match finished with the baby face getting his finishing move but then he gets booted and the heel steals it kind of sucks but i knew that was what the finish was going to be and i mean we already knew randy was going to get a rematch anyways right i mean that was kind of self-explanatory and randy Orton laughing at those stupid wwe photoshops with all the the legends in the hospital with ice bags on i mean Good God. That was atrocious. But anyways, let's uh, go and talk about NXT quickly. Uh, Brizongo and Isaiah Swerve Scott defeat Legado del Fantasma. Kind of uh, not the best street fight you're ever going to see, but at least the baby faces win. I think it's you know foregone conclusion that the heels are winning the end, but a good baby face win at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, didn't see this match, Brandon, so I'm sorry. But anyways, we get my girl, Candice LeRae, taking on Dominic's girl, Casey Catanzaro. And my girl, Candice, ends up getting the victory. And they're doing this whole thing where Tegan Knox is friends with Candice, and she doesn't know why Candice is the way she is. And they're building to this match, so Candice agrees to meet up with Tegan. And I don't know if this is going to lead to a Tegan heel turn or what's going on, but just kind of another B-level storyline in NXT at the moment. Do you honestly think they're going to turn Tegan heel? I come on, Brandon. I don't know. I mean, it's just something to do uh, with with Tegan. I mean, with Candice being the heel, maybe she gets the win, and then you can move her up to EO. But then EO also has Dakota and Rhea and Mercedes, and it's just kind of a, a, a don't forget Shotzi. Sorry, and Shotzi who got a big win last week against Mia. So, I mean, the women's division overall in, in uh, NXT is looking really good. Speaking of Rhea. And Mercedes Martinez, they have some promos uh, backstage. Rhea challenges Martinez to a cage match. This will take place next week. So, expecting anything from this match? Who do you think is going to win? I mean, something different we don't really see. I mean, we did see, was it Dakota Kai and Tegan in a cage match, I think. So, another women's cage match in NXT next week? Eh, I'm fine. I, uh, I, I think Mercedes will win just because... 
I, I think there would be some shenanigans, but I mean, I think the winner, winner of that match will be next in line for EO. And then uh, just quickly, Timothy Thatcher defeats Bronson Reed. We get Austin Theory with a run-in, so Reed taking the loss, Thatcher. Get another win, so Thatcher continues his winning ways, so not falling off. Uh, nothing really to uh, talk about here. Then we get the Iron Man match, Fatal 4-Way, Finn Balor, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, and we do not get a finish. We get Finn and Adam Cole tied at two falls apiece, and next week we will have the winner, the new NXT champion crowned. Dominic, your thoughts on the match and the finish? I thought this match was phenomenal. Um, I really thought Balor had it, and then Cole kind of crept, creeped, crept, crept, creeped, whatever. Cole snuck, snuck in there, got a second fall. Um, I'm, I'm happy it's not Gargano or Ciampa. I feel like neither one of them are really doing anything spectacular. I feel like both Balor and Cole have, you know, they're on, they're on a winning streak. They're top. They're probably top. They're one two of of NXT. Very deserving. Um, the only thing I'm trying to think of is who would be more willing to drop the title to Cross when he comes back. I think if anyone, it will be Balor. So I'm putting my money on Balor um, unless there is some um, undisputed era shenanigans next week. Yeah, I think I'm more down on the match than you. I just felt as though it was kind of hard for me to get behind anybody because, yes, it just was coming off a takeover, so everyone's just kind of starting fresh. but. Everyone in the match was, I mean, kind of a heel. I mean, obviously, Tommaso Ciampa with a heel turn last week. Johnny Gargano's a heel. Finn hasn't really been doing too much. And then Adam Cole is, I guess, supposed to be a babyface, but they're not really doing a good job at turning him full-fledged. I mean, I've never really been a big fan of Iron Man matches to begin with because I just feel like it's a lot of filler. I think we had a lot of filler in this match as well. And I, I, I did feel as though maybe the ending was a little too contrived, but I'm hoping... Next week, we just get a good, straightforward match. And I will put my money on Finn. I just feel, because Finn hasn't been doing too much, that they should put the title on him because, you know, give him a little extra boost. Maybe because Adam Cole just won it, it's kind of the same thing over and over again. I, I do agree with him. Maybe we're going to see something with Undisputed Air because I think they're a little repetitive. They're not doing too much. And that babyface turn, as I said, for Adam Cole, which I guess was babyface turn, really hasn't been too great thus far. All right, moving on to AEW, Brandon. Yes, we are moving on to AEW. We started off with Santana and Ortiz defeating the best friends in a street fight, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they brawl for a long time, and then the match officially begins. Santana and Ortiz get the win. I thought this match was pretty sloppy, kind of the best and worst of AEW. I mean, I feel like... They're, I know. Well, first of all, they are not utilizing Santana Ortiz the right way. But then again, you know, who, what do I know? Um, yes, I agree. Sloppy, kind of, you know, not well put together. They did get the win, so that does help them. But I just feel like it's kind of the same old shtick with them. They're, they they win, then they lose for a bit, and then some street fight or some stipulation, they win, and then they're back to back to the, you know then they repeat. So I hope, hopefully this is the start of something new and I would like to see them actually just straight wrestle, you know, stop with the, 
these stipulations, these street fights, these Brooklyn, whatever they were, Puerto Rican fight, whatever fucking that one street fight was for him. Like, just have straight tag team wrestling. I want them just to to have a normal match. So what do you do after you have a tag team match? You have another tag team match, but make it an eight-man tag team match with the Bucks and Jurassic Express defeating SCU and Private Party. The winner of this match will go on to face each other at All Out. Why? Don't really know why, but we get the Bucks leaning a lot more heel in this match, put it on their boo-boo face after they got fucked over by Adam Page last week. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit more in the preview, but the match itself was fine, kind of spotty, a little sloppy at times, but I mean, it's uh, kind of come to expect from these types of matches at AEW, which I think they really need to cut back on these multi-team tag matches. I mean, there's just too many right now. Well, I mean, it, it would be one thing if they would have it every week, but you, you can have, like I said, just have a straightforward wrestling. You don't need to have the high spots and the flippy doos and these crazy stunts. Just have a wrestling match. Like, you know, I, I, I wasn't there back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, you know, watching wrestling but i'm sure they were or doing live. or live yeah but i'm pretty sure they were just having standard tag matches you know so it, it's 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 like a lost art kind of you know just have hot tags and that's it you don't need to fucking do a canadian destroyer destroyer jumping off the top rope onto a fucking ladder then do a backflip somersault from a fucking top of the cage you know just fucking straight wrestling come on you guys yeah, I kind of wish they put it in one of those singles matches, whether it be Jericho and Janela or the women's match, kind of in between, because I feel as though having two back-to-back tag team matches, like it's kind of a little repetitive. But then we get a Kenny Omega interview. Tony Schiavone is standing in the middle of the ring, interviews Kenny, FTR make the run-in, they go back and forth, and then Hangman Page comes out, and it's this whole ordeal. I just felt nobody was likable in this feud. Like, Kenny's out there, he's being awkward and making fun of uh, the old man. What's the old man's name, Dominic? Come on, you got me. You got me. Old, what old man? The old man, Tolly Blanchard. There we go. Thanks for the help. Uh, he makes fun of Tolly Blanchard, oh. and uh, I mean, I and then FTR is out there, and they officially turned heel, and then Hangman comes out. He's mopey. He's seems like he hasn't slept in a week. He's a drunk. I just don't know like who I'm supposed to like in this feud. I want to like Kenny. I want to like Hangman, but they, this, I love all these guys involved, but this was just a complete mess. Well, I mean, I guess if you want to be technical, you're supposed to be favoring Hangman just because if you go through the past couple of weeks, you know, he gets kicked out of the elite. He's feuding with but his he friends. he fucked over his friends. Ah, fuck the friends. You know, you know, Brandon, what I found out about friends is that, you know, you you love them, you hate them, but you, ne- you, you never really, you know, get over, you know, when someone fucks you over or when they, you know, they say certain things and, you know, hurt your feelings and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I know. I mean, it, it's even harder when, you know, the friends are feuding and you don't really know why the friends are feuding to begin with. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Mm, I, but one of the friends knows why they're feuding. Yeah, but the, the, other, other, friend, one, but the other friend won't tell the other friend why they're feuding. And the other friend is just confused. And it's like, what, what did I do? The other friend should just, you know, just, you know, figure it out himself. Because, uh, you know, the other friend is just so smart and can read minds. Yes. 
Yes. I, I you know, I like to think he is, but you know, then again, you know, he he doesn't read my mind. Oh, I mean Kenny's mind. Sorry. Anyways, we get Chris Jericho taking on Joey Janela. Jericho cuts a promo beforehand. Straightforward. Thought it was good. We get the star beating up on the other guy. Unfortunately, Joey Janela is the other guy. Maybe he shouldn't be, but he is. And then we get a, a beatdown angle. Sunny Kiss comes out. Orange Cassidy's there. And Orange Cassidy gets one up on the heels. Uh, just good, straightforward build to the Mosa Mayhem match or the Phil Mosa Mayhem match, Dominic. And I and see this is something that I that I really I I don't know if it's because Chris Jericho's in it and he probably was able to fucking filter out the stupid, but this is a great it was a great match. The af, the, the beatings afterwards were great. I think this match by far from the ta, the two tags to now, the show did a complete one eighty. Then we get the Battle Royal Brawl, because just like in WWE, AEW doesn't uh, trust us to understand what a Battle Royal looks like. So once again, we get Taz and Jake Roberts yelling at each other, and then this leads to a big old ordeal where we get like 40 people battling in the ring, even though there's only 21 men in the match itself. I thought it was kind of dumb. Could have cut this, but if, if they didn't have this match or they didn't have this segment, I would not know what 20 men in a ring looks like, Dominic. And that's what could happen this Saturday at All Out. But, but you've seen the Royal Rumble, though. So how do you not know what 20 people look like in the ring? I don't know. I mean, that's what AEW did. They, they had to show me, so I, I know what it looks like. Anyways, also, we get Thunder Rosa making her in-ring debut at AEW. She takes on Serena Deep. Uh, good match. Uh, I mean, nothing really to, uh, to say here. You know, get Thunder Rosa the win. Get her out there in front of the AEW audience. Kind of introduce her. Kind of show her what she can do as she goes on to face Sheeta for the women's title. Do you think she will actually win the women's title, or do you think it's just going to be one of those one-off feuds? Well, we're going to have to stay tuned as we do our predictions later in the show. And in the final segment, we get John Moxley defeating the lawyer, Mark Sterling. And then MJF beats down John Moxley, leaving him bloody and Moxley or Moxley's down. MJF stands tall with the title and the ring and Wardlow. And that's the end of the show. So, I, I mean, this was pretty straightforward. I kind of knew this was what was going down. I like that we finally get some seriousness from the MJF, MJF character because I felt like he was leaning a little too hard on the comedy in this feud. Well, I think John just brings that out of people. Um, I don't think you can be, I mean, not, not that Moxley can't be funny, but I think that, you know, his character just draws the the aggression and the seriousness out of his opponent. All right. Now we're going to get into the all-out predictions on the pre-show or the buy-in, what they're calling it. We get Big Swole taking on Britt Baker in a tooth and nail match. From my understanding, this is going to be a pre-taped match at Britt Baker's dentist office. Not expecting too much. Might be a little sloppy. I mean, maybe because it's going to take place at the office, there's going to be a lot of walking and brawling. So uh, I don't know which way to go. I'll go with Big Swole because why not? We've been building up this feud forever. And maybe if Big Swole wins, then that means the feud is over. What is a tooth and nail match? Is it like first one to lose a tooth or nail or something? Or what the fuck does that I'm, mean? I'm, I have no idea. I want to see someone get their tooth extracted. Uh, I'll go with... Brit, just because I feel like 
for the longest time they were building her to be that head head woman and she's kind of fallen off a little bit with the injuries and whatnot, but I'll go with Britt. All right. And then we get Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy in a broken rules match for some reason. If Matt Hardy loses, he has to leave the company. Why? I don't really know why, but that's the way it goes. It's a broken rules match. Don't know if this means it's going to be pre-taped or whatnot. I don't know if they're going to be cute and have Sammy win. And then Matt Hardy comes back as a different character. So I think AEW wants to hold up to stipulations. So I'm going to say Matt Hardy gets the win. Well, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory that Matt's going to win just because he, he just fucking joined the company first off. But, um, you know, I, I think Matt needs it more than Sammy. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely do agree with you, though. I, I could see Matt losing and coming back as, you know, uh, a new reincarnation because just because Matt Hardy lost doesn't mean his, you know, other version of him can't, you know, come back. Then we got that 21-man casino battle royal. I mean, we, we saw pretty much everyone involved winner gets an aew title shot i think can go any which way you get that last man possibly could be a surprise maybe rusev or miro or somebody else of that ilk i will go not gonna go too crazy i'm just gonna keep it straightforward and have lance archer be the winner i mean if rusev was to come that would be cool i wouldn't be I definitely do see Archer winning it. Um, I don't know. I can't think of any other big name that's out there that, you know, would be a big, a big, holy crap, he's an AEW moment other than Rusev. So I think uh, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you with, with Archer winning it, but I'm highly doubtful we'll see Rusev. Then we get that team versus team tag team match Jurassic Express taking on the Young Bucks I mean kind of one of those matches that doesn't really need to be on the show I mean probably is going to be good little spotty I think maybe they're going to be telling a story with the Young Bucks here so I'm going to give them or I'm going to go Jurassic Express and then maybe the Young Bucks get a little bit more angry I will agree half with you I think Jurassic Jurassic, Jurassic Park Jurassic Express will win, but I think it's going to be uh, Hangman that's going to fuck him up. Well, I think maybe Hangman is a little busy on the show, but we get the Dark Order going up against Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and the Natural Nightmares. I think each of these teams has a fall guy, so I can see either one winning. My thinking is if Cole Cabana is on the Dark Order, then the Dark Order wins because thus far Colca Bennett hasn't lost while a part of the Dark Order. So I'm gonna go with that with a caveat that if Colca Bennett isn't on the team, then I'm going the other way. Uh I'll stick with SU no matter what. I, I just I it's the Dark Order, I you know, bigger names on the other side. All right, and then we get the Mo Dominic, what do you think? the main event will be. I think we all kind of know, but just want your official prediction. Moxley MJF. All right. So we get the Mimosa Mayhem match. Chris Jericho taking on Orange Cassidy. You can win by either pinfall, submission, or getting dumped in the 
that of Mimosa. I think there is a possibility that Jericho could get the win, but no matter what, Jericho's ending up in that Mimosa. But I think give Cassidy the win, just put a stamp on it. I think Jericho can get his heat back regardless. Just give Cassidy the win. You can dump dump him in the dump tank in the dunk tank, and Jericho's not going to lose too much by losing that way. I agree. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Who uh, the last pay per view they had, Jericho won it, right? That was the uh, the that was a straight match, right? Correct. All these matches have been just straightforward matches, and then now this is the gimmick match, and Chris Jericho tends to lose the gimmick matches that he creates. So then, yeah, so then I'll go with uh, Orange Cassidy winning, and, uh, you know, for shits and giggles, I would like to actually see Orange Cassidy jump into the vat, and it then it turns into, like, an extra mimosa or something, you know what I mean? All right, then we get the women's uh, championship match. We get Hikaru Shida taking on Thunder Rosa. Both of them are champions. Thunder Rosa is the NWA champion. Dominic, you asked the question. I'm going to go with Shida taking this one. I'm really excited for this match. I think this could be really, really good. Maybe the best women's match we've seen on AEW. I think Shida gets the win. Maybe Thunder Rosa sticks around. Maybe some NWA talent does stick around, but AEW gets the win on this one. Yeah. Um, I think. Sh- First of all, it would be kind of weird to have Rosa win it just because she is with a and NWA and they're the cha- and she's their champion. So I think I'll stick with Sheeta. Um, I agree. I think probably best women's match. So, but my thing with saying that, I feel like it's going to be very subpar in the fact that we have such high hopes for it. So I'm hoping it actually turns out better than than I hope. Then. For the match I'm most looking forward to is the tag team title match. We get FTR taking on Omega and Paige. I think this is going to be a really good match, maybe best match of the show. And I think this also is going to be a very critical match with some sort of angle taking place, whether it's a heel turn or a team breakup. I'm excited to see what they do. As much as I did not like the angle this week, I still think they're going to be able to deliver in-ring I'm going to go with FTR getting the job done with maybe some shenanigans, not like outside shenanigans, but some shenanigans between Omega and Paige. I agree. Go with FTR. I feel like though the shenanigans will be from the outside and it will be the bucks of young who will be fucking some shit up. But with that happening, you create a rift with Kenny Omega. So then all of the elite starts to dis- dismantle. So we will have to wait and find out. And then in the presumed main event, MJF will take on and challenge John Moxley for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. I was a proponent of MJF. I think I've fallen off a little bit during this feud. I don't think he is going to get the job done, but I do think MJF will be the champion sooner rather than later. But I think this is one of those feuds where continue on with the John Moxley train, give him a win, you know, make him slay another quote unquote beast, even though MJF is not a beast, but maybe you can transition to maybe Wardlow for a quick little one-off feud. But I think Moxley gets the job done here. I think if Moxley doesn't get the job, I feel like this would be one of those laughing stock of of his not only career but 
his title reign with AEW. Um, not that MJF is a joke or anything, but I just don't think he's ready. I think we've been kind of we've agreed on that. That you know, he it's just not that he won't be champion, just not right now. Um, I don't think Warlow should get a title shot. I think his next opponent should be, um, you know, uh, uh, whoever wins the battle royale would be the next challenger. So maybe not, er- maybe not every feud the champion has needs to be a title feud. I mean, maybe you can have a couple weeks where he faces Wardlow. You can just like build up to a non-title match, and and that's fine. Or and then you could have him drop it to whoever wins the the battle royale, or you know, maybe somebody one-off comes in and beats him or something. But um, yeah, I still go with Moxley. I think it's I, I think it's going to be a good fight though. All right, so that will do it for us for today thank y'all very much for tuning in dominic would you like to uh plug the socials if anybody would like to uh you know send us a question and join us join mr x in a question you know the gmail of accounts is curveballncs at gmail.com the twitter page curveballs curveballs ncs is twitter curveballs and chair shots on facebook you know, Brandon, who, uh, you know, we were debating it for a long time about putting, making an Instagram and Brandon did it. And I will say that Brandon is a fucking monster on it. He is constantly oh, on it. Oh, you're so cute, he, Dominic. You he does oh my God. such a great job. If you want to see Luis Robert dropping dick, curveballs and chair shots is the place to be. And, you know, they do, and he, he you know, Send him a DM, send him a, 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 a comment, you know, tag him, tag me, tag, tag us, you know, no big deal. All right. And also the Instagram is Curveballs and CS, very similar to the Twitter machine. And also, you know, if you want, if you play fantasy football, you can also possibly check out Points and Doings, you know, every Tuesday. Dominic, we got our draft coming up on Monday. So Dominic going to lay down the law and he's going to, be the upset of the century and win the entire league team Hobson or what is it? Hops Hobson chili. What's it called? Which team called? I named it chili bowl, but I, I, I don't know how to do shit. So it's probably like hops chill or something like something stupid like that. Yeah. But the real thing is you're not going to win this league. I'm going to fucking murder every single one of you. You're not going to win this league, Dominic. That's the problem. How dare you of all days you wanna you wanna infiltrate this podcast? We have a hacker. G- we have a hacker pulling, on the podcast, everybody. I'm pulling a retribution. I'm coming in and I'm dropping elbows over all over Dominic today. I honestly feel like I'm Ray Mysterio and you're just shoving my head to the plexiglass. This is some bullshit. All I wanna know is what is going on, pal? Why have you been avoiding me all week? You know, if you were listening, the wait, have you, have you been on the whole time? No, I just got on. He literally just joined. That's why when he joined, <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something, but you didn't say anything. So, so I, I, had, the, I had the USB mic plugged in. I thought it was going to work. It didn't work. I had to pull the, the headset down. So T- Tyler, I, I haven't smartened Dominic up because he has not listened to the podcast. Yet. I, I kind of don't want to tell him what happened, but I know you've been drinking a little bit. And you're feeling a little frisky. Oh man, I, I, day day drinking is a dangerous thing, my friend. I I don't know if you want to throw down the uh, second gauntlet that has been thrown down. Okay, so okay, well, for, okay. yeah, I want I, Dominic I def- to, I I want Dominic to explain am, himself. I'm definitely 
taking a breather because when you said I shouldn't listen to it, I thought it was something a lot worse. So, okay, yeah, go ahead. Throw, tell, tell me what happened. Well, for, first, first, before I tell you what happens, Dominic, I want you to explain why you've been ignoring me all week. We haven't played Fortnite all week. I understand Brian was down yes or two days ago. That's understandable. But the other days, what the hell, dog? Uh, you know, uh, yeah. All right, all right. That's the that's the explanation I'm gonna get. I see how it is. You'll get an um, explanation as soon as we start recording. How about that? All right, sounds good. Sounds good. As okay. long as that explanation comes like two minutes before we all get back to playing Fortnite, because I miss okay. I miss the Fortnite sessions with with this Okay. Fortnite. Deal. 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 All right. Anyways, long story short, while we sign off, Travis has thrown down the official barbecue gauntlet, and he says that he will quote unquote, you know, wine, dine, and sixty nine you, Dominic. So on that note, everybody, goodbye and good night. Uh. Bye-bye.